Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. You know, when I have a large project at home, sometimes it makes sense to do it by myself. At other times, I actually save money in the long term and have a much better solution if I use an expert. It's really not that much different with church planning. Church planners who focus on building their core team and actually planting the church and partner with portability experts like Portable Church Industries hit the ground running. Yes, you may have to raise more funds up front, but let me tell you something. If I could go back in a time machine and do one thing different in all the churches that I planted, I would go back and have invested that money in Portable Church and all of the super cool kit that they give you to make the volunteers and their lives much, much easier. Trust me, your volunteers will feel invested in, and they're going to give you more of what they got. And that time where people are setting up is going to be a time where it sets the atmosphere for you to thrive. If you're thinking about launching in the next six to 36 months, we encourage you to check them out at portablechurch.com. Hey, Church Planner, this is Peyton Jones. Welcome to the podcast. And my guest today is Daniel Fusco. He is a returning guest. He is the pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver. And also, they have a baby. They have birthed out a campus in Portland. So there's a Crossroads Community Church in Portland as well. And uh, also, he is the author of multiple books. Um, we've had him on here about those before. But today, we're going to be discussing his new book, which I think you're going to like. I read it. And uh, if you are listening today and um, you tweet out about this podcast, I will keep an eye out. I will give you a free copy of Daniel's new book. It is Upward, Inward, Outward, and Daniel, welcome. It's great to be with you, Peyton, and with all the church planners. All right, man. Well, always good to have you. Um, our people know, uh, if they've been listening a long time, a little bit about you, but take us through memory lane a little bit, uh, maybe one or two minutes about your uh, journey to Christ, and then maybe another one or two minutes about how you got sucked into this crazy little thing called church planning and ministry in general. Yeah, so I grew up, uh, I'm all Italian from the Northeast New Jersey. My my parents came out of New York, and so uh didn't grow up in the church. Um just a crazy kid, uh, playing music, partying, just just being a rebel. And uh, in college, I was in Rutgers University, and I was really having, you know, uh, that existential crisis when you are living outside of Christ, you know. And, and I I was really kind of I wasn't against Christianity. I mean, I grew up culturally uh, Italian, all Italian Catholic, um, but I was functionally like an atheist, and so I didn't have any beliefs, and I figured that I was kind of unhappy about some stuff. So I figured I'd start searching. And the last person I checked out was Jesus, uh, the only one who was real. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he revealed himself to me in my very last semester of, of college, kind of radical experience. And then I started pursuing a career in music. And uh, as I was starting to walk with the Lord, um, 
God really changed directions in my life and called me into uh, into the ministry where I ended up uh, apprenticing uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And then I got sent out and I planted a couple churches, the first church in my native state of uh, New Jersey, where Rutgers University is in New Brunswick. And when I was 24, and then I moved back to the Bay Area and planted a church in San Francisco and just outside in Marin County. And then I moved up here to Crossroads Community Church, I guess now about six years ago. And that and that's kind of how I heard about you. I mean, you and I were both in the Calvary Chapel Network, and um, I, I remember kind of – I don't know if I came across your videos or you even had a podcast for a while – but um, but you were I, I remember you kind of being one of the first guys in America. Where I was like, this guy plants multiple churches. This is pretty cool. I like this guy. So uh, that was pretty rock and roll. You were you were up in the Bay Area too. That place eats churches for breakfast. Yeah, I mean, you know, just like you, it's like kind of growing up in a non, you know, in a non Christian environment. I mean, really, nowhere is really Christian anywhere totally. But there's. You know, growing up in, in central New Jersey, not known for uh, evangelicalism in any way, living in the Bay Area, again, not really known for that. And so I uh, just really had that burden for people who were like me, people who were outside the church, who were, weren't interested in the church. Uh, when it when the church in general is insulated, um, there's pockets of people who will never get reached. They're not looking for Christian content. And so uh, just really having uh, that heart, and so really realizing that that Pauline mantle, that apostolic mantle, um, there wasn't a lot of it because um, it doesn't make for a great career, but it does make for great stories and kingdom building. Yeah. You know, uh, so just really, and I, and I and that me and you have talked about that. I always just figured I would be uh, the the tip of the spear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All the time, and so when God called me to Crossroads, it was a, it was kind of a shock. And, and a weird step for me, um, I, I, I was obedient. I took the step. And you know, I always tell people that when you're a serial church planter and you get invited to, to transition into be a mega church pastor, for everybody else, that's not a step of faith. But when you see yourself as a pioneer church planter, it's a crazy step of faith. It's like it's, it's a step of faith and a step of obedience. You know, there, there, there's times I find myself telling people, hey, you never know. God might call me to a mega church. That might happen. And you know, when guys like us get that call, it's not the flesh, man. It's like, that's the last thing on our radar. And yet, um, you know, greater men than us. I mean, Jeff Vanderstelt, right? Um, recently, um, doing Doxa fellowship and, um, you know, people that you, you never would have thought. And so there's something that the Holy Spirit does. And I always like to remind people that the first thing that happened when the Holy Spirit dropped at Pe- Pentecost was a mega church was born. Uh, like it or not, that is, that is what happened. And so people that are like, oh, mega church is evil. You need them. You know, in, in San Diego, where I live, we've got, uh, Miles at the rock and Miles is just, I think what happens is people come through the doors of his church, come to faith, and eventually they disperse throughout the rest of the county and they end up in house churches and mid-sized churches and traditional churches. And he's like you said. You you said I thought I'd be the tip of the spear. You probably still are in your area in many ways. And plus, on top of that, you're able to raise up. It's almost like you're not only able to send out, but you're able to fund your own church plans. How's that for a change? (laughs) Yeah, I get to fund stuff now. As a church planner, funds are now. It's like you have the opposite problem. So, but uh, I think from the from the place of calling, what what I'm always learning is that. 
growth happens when you increase the tension. You know, like if, if you're if you're trying to work out, if you do the same workout over and over again, the first time you do it, you get sore, then your body gets used to it. So yep. it establishes a new homeostasis. And I think for me, um, when you do three church plants from scratch with no people, no money, and just drink a lot of coffee and do a lot of evangelism. and That's the secret know, sauce right there. And prayer. Coffee, evangelism, right. and prayer. That's right. That's all you need, <laughs> you know. And um, But then after a while, you know, you don't grow in the same way because you know how to do it. And so obviously, as God called me to come to Crossroads and I had to learn things that I would never have learned as a, as a pioneer church planter. I remember the first time I went to an all staff meeting at Crossroads and and we have a school here as well. And there was like 170 people in the room, all on staff. And I remember walking in like, this is like bigger than any church I've ever pastored, you know, and all these people are part of the staff and I was freaked out. I'm like, (laughs) what on earth is going on? Like, what did I get myself into? Yeah. Uh, and so, and so, but by increasing Start reading that, Lencioni books all of a sudden, <laughs> literally, like, like, I'm on a team, like, and they're paid to be here. Like, this is crazy. That's right. And rad. so it was such a wild experience, but it, 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 it forces growth in that way. You have to grow. Amen, you get sore, brother. Grow, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, you're like, man, I made all the old mistakes. I learned lessons. Why can't I still walk it? And then God's like, nope, you're going to be making new mistakes now, pal. And, That's right. uh, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, your, uh, your new book, um, Upward, Inward, Outward, I think that probably in many ways has come as a result of that growth. I mean, just kind of having read through it, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a way of distill. When we get pushed, it's, it's a way of God distilling, uh, us, you know, it's kind of like Spurgeon said of David that he was like an olive, you know, when God crushed him, uh, this, the oil of the Holy Spirit oozed out of him. That's where we have the Psalms and the, you know, so as a musician, I'm sure that's a, a very relevant, uh, illustration, but, but your new book, Upward, Inward, Outward, tell us, um, what's the book about? What's the story behind the book? Sure. So, you know, the idea of upward, inward, outward, it comes from the greatest commandment that you should love God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. You should love your neighbor as you love yourself. So loving God is upward and then loving your neighbor is outward. And then as you love yourself, as, as yourself, which is inward. And so really what was going on is that for me, you know, having walked with Jesus now for almost 20 years and been in pastoral ministry for 16 of those years or 17 of those years at this point, you know, you're in the lives of people and you're living your life. And I just kind of noticed that it's just so easy to be distracted. Like there's so many things that go on. And then, you know, you add on not only just walking with the Lord, but you add on family and extended family and, you know, kids and all these things. And, and you realize that one of the hardest things in life is to keep the main thing, the main thing. You know, like we always say that stuff, but you gotta keep the main thing. But like, how often do we end up out on a rabbit trail somewhere and you're like, you lose three months, you lose six months. Like, it's not that you really lose it. You just didn't maximize it. Mm. And so I started thinking to myself, I'm like, if, like, and I'm the kind of person where it's like, I need like, I need it simple. You know, uh, I need, I need just a big idea that I can grab on. And I'm like, well, okay. So I'm searching the scriptures because there's a million things you can get into in the scriptures. You can spend time in prophecy, ecclesiology, uh, salvation, uh, creation, apologetics, you know, um, there's all these things you can be involved in. And, and so then I started, I'm like, man, I just need like a big idea. And then I started remembering, oh yeah, like they asked Jesus, who's the greatest person who ever lived, greatest teacher who ever lived, he's Lord. They asked him what the greatest commandment was and he answered them. 
you know? And I'm like, well, that might be kind of important. And then I started like kind of poking around like, okay, so who's like written a lot of stuff about not only that, that's the greatest thing, but, but how do you live it? And I was surprised by how little I found on like this huge thing. Like, I, you know, you find a section in a book or a chapter in a book or this, but nobody really like grabbed hold of it and just kind of grappled with it. And I'm like, well, I want to read a book that just deals with it. And so I started really looking at the idea that every moment of our lives is an invitation from the Lord to cultivate upward, inward and outward living, you know? And, and so I started looking at like, these are things that, um, like, like, and then I started looking at the, the, the things that people want, like their needs that they have. And I'm like, Oh, all of these needs that we have are also invitations to lead us to cultivate upward, inward and outward living. And so that was kind of the genesis of the book for me. And then, uh, it's been really fun just to get to write it. And now having written it and it getting released now still grappling with these ideas. And now that the books out there, conversations have begun about, you know, uh, what did I miss and what did I get right? And, 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 and what, and what's interesting about this. And so I'm really grateful. Like, I feel like it's helped orient me on the main thing, um, with the knobs on my side of the wall. I love that, man, because I think for all of us, right. It, it is easy to miss the main things. I love how, uh, first John, you know, he talks about, you know, children, I write to you because you've known him who's from the beginning. And then he, you know, he writes a young man, you're strong, you've overcome the evil one. And then he comes right back and says, and you, you fathers, I write to you because you've known him who's from the beginning. That very thing that you were jazzed about when you first came to faith, like, I know God, you know, like this is rad. You wake up and you're like, I know him. He's my father, you know, like, I'm not running from God anymore. I'm running to him and he loves me. And, and then he goes, Hey, fathers, by the way, it's still just that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's to me, that just resonates. Cause <clears throat> when I look back, you know, I mean, you know, sometimes life hits you like a ton of bricks. Like this has not been an easy year for me, man. And we were talking before that I lost my mom and there was times where I was lost, man. And, just tail spinning and you know this in my podcast when right? i it's not like rod tidwell on uh jerry mcguire like you know you, you can make me cry you know but the the reality is you know just that coming back what a privilege man just to sit at his feet just to talk to him just to know that he's got my back and even when i'm falling he's holding me and you know just all that stuff man and and so um that's really powerful um which out of these three which are the ones that that you really think that uh, the church struggles with in upward, inward, and outward? Well, I, for me, they, they all come together, but I think different tribes struggle with different pieces. And, and, and the reason is, is because like, if you break it down into the upward, inward, and outward, you can call it divinity, identity, and mission. I mean, like there's all these different ways you can look at it. And so, you know, some traditions are really great on upward, like their entire their entire reality is it's all about God and Jesus. And it's about, it's about this relationship we get to have with them. But then you have, even today you have like the popularity and the necessary uh, course correction of like emotional, emotionally healthy spirituality by Pete Scazzaro, because for some people, the upward isn't translating to a healthy inward, you know, which is what Pete's kind of getting at. He's getting at like your beliefs about God drive the way you see yourself. And if, 
you know, in, in traditions where um, ministry burnout or um, creating cultures of fishbowls so that pastors and their families are, you know, serving but not partaking of the fruit, that's an, that's an inward problem. Or you have churches that are really, you know, they love God and they're really caring for inward, but they're not salt and light in the world. They're not pushing outward, letting who God is, has it changed us, drive us into the world. So for many church planters, I think, you know, the outward piece is huge because that's where you find yourself. But are you doing it at the expense of your inward? Like, are, are you planting churches and dying inside, ruining your families? I mean, we've experienced these things as church planters. We, we, we coached and, and, and walked through that with, with people. Or how many church planters end up walking away from their faith because they lose their upward in the midst of all the craziness of the outward. And so for me, it's a God-breathed system for living that uh, for me, as I wrote the book, I saw things and I'm like, well, I got to work on that. And like even right now at Crossroads, every year we have certain uh, areas of emphasis that we want to focus on. And I literally just went through the book that had been released. And I'm like, what are three areas that we aren't doing great in? Like as I laid it out in these three movements and how do we cultivate upward and where are the three that were the most, one from each movement that were the most efficient in and how do we get at it? Because it's kind of a, like our, our lives are not static and and our growth is not in a straight line. And so uh, at any given time, you might be like right now, like my upwards rock solid, but, and my inwards great, but I'm not really, I'm not really out on mission blessing the world that is placed the pain in the name of Jesus. Or you might say, look, I am so out there right now, but like I'm struggling, like I'm, gr- I'm grinding. And so I think it's a moving target depending on uh, that self-assessment that we let the spirit of God check us and, and, and convict us. And so I think it's a moving target depending on where we are and depending on what church tribe or tradition we come from or that we we identify with, I think that all of them have uh, things that God wants to grow up in all of us. Yeah, I think um, probably in the in the circle that we came from, um, the the hardest thing, you know, and and I speak for our circle, if I may. <laughs> Let me just speak for you know thousands of people. Um, but but you know if if I'm getting the pulse right of the of the background that we came from, um, the loving yourself part, there was always kind of a ooh, you know, ooh, that you know, self esteem stuff, and you know, it was kind of like sometimes more given to worm theology, and I think you know the heart was in the right place. People were scared; they just didn't want to get arrogant and proud and start. You know, there's so much Phariseeism in the Bible, and yet, lo and behold, we just become Pharisees anyways that hate themselves. And so, what what I love is how you connect it to the upward part that this, um, you know, Jesus assumes that we love ourselves, doesn't he? I mean, he just assumes that, hey, love others like you love yourself. And we'll, we'll call that cool, you know. But as um, I, I remember reading a book years ago, uh, you've read it, I'm sure it's called Blue Like Jazz. Being the jazz musician, I'm sure you read this, Donald Miller. Yeah. He's got a scene in there where he uh, he he's looking, he's cleaning the toilet. And it's, I'm not going to get into detail, but it wasn't a pretty picture. And he looked down at the toilet and he said, you know, I, I feel like that's, that's my soul right there. That was, that was a little bit of sting, you know, little black hat in the, you know, that's my soul up there. Well, you know, just shouting that out there to another jazz musician. I read his bio this year, but, uh, but anyways, um, 
the, uh, the, you know, as he did that, he, he, and he had really been struggling with a lot of self-esteem and, and God just, he felt God speak to him. He goes, there's very few times I felt God speak to me in my life, but God spoke to me right then and said, I wouldn't allow you to talk or think like that about anyone else. Why do you think I would let you think like that about you? That, that was powerful, you know, like I was reading that book going, okay, that's the takeaway of that whole book right there. And then he goes into the gospel. That's right. Well, it's funny, like as I've shared the book around and obviously coming from that more non-denominational kind of evangelical stream, the, the biggest pushback I get is on the inward. Whereas it, if I was, if my kind of the, my invites were more broad, I wouldn't get it as much. And they always say, you know, and the reason is, and I, and I break it open in the book that, you know, in Second Timothy chapter three, it says that in the last days, it will be perilous times because people will be lovers of themselves. So whenever I say like, hey, you know, you live inward by loving yourself. And I'll always say, and I'm speaking like, now, how many of you think that that's just some new age kind of Portland, Oregon, bad theology? <laughs> okay, be honest, church, got to raise your hand. And all these people raise their hand. I always say, thank you for raising your hand. First, I appreciate the honesty. And the reason you got nervous is because of that verse, Second Timothy chapter three, verses one and following. And I always say the reason in the last days it's going to be perilous times is because people are living inward without living upward. It's right. like their focus, and, and that's like our culture right now. It's like love yourself like your life depended on it, and it becomes self-deification and entitlement, narcissism. But Jesus doesn't say just love yourself. He says first love, return to God the love that He has Everything. for you. Yeah. And let that form your identity. I make the point in the book that the only way you can truly love yourself in the way the Bible speaks of it is go. through the cross. The cross is the key to biblical self-love. And like, and and for what's funny is, is as upward, inward, and outward has been getting out into non-Christian circles, because I make the point that everyone lives upward, inward, and outward. Whatever you believe about God or no God, that drives the way you view yourself. And then those two upper and inward drive the way you treat other people. You know, it's amazing how like the idea, like the only way to love yourself is through the lens of the cross of Jesus for non-believers are like, okay, I don't understand that. Explain that. Like that's kind of a powerful statement, but the same thing is going on in the church because people don't realize like the cross is how God loves us. Yeah. And so the cross is that great leveler of humanity where all of us see ourselves as more jacked up than we can ever imagine we were that we'd ever post on the internet. And at the same time, we're more loved than we could have ever dreamed of. Yeah. All that's contained in the depth of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That's right. And so, you know what? Originally, like at the first glance, people freak out at the end, but then when they read it, they're like, "Oh, that's really good. Like that's pretty biblical. Like there's a lot of Bible in that." I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." And I think you know, learning that you are loved, that God just loves you, that He He created you. There's that sense in which. We are a fallen creation, yet we are still his creation, and he loves his creation. And then when we become redeemed, it adds that layer on that we are loved in Christ as if the Father loved us like Christ himself. That's in John 17. And you just kind of, sometimes you back away from those verses. If God loves me as much as he loves Jesus, like that's insane. Like that almost sounds blasphemous. And yes, I I can point you to the verse and John 17, where Jesus says that you have loved them as you have loved me. Like what in the heck? Like I, I probably should love myself to a certain degree. Then if God loves me and loving me ain't wrong, maybe I should imitate God and love one another. Maybe I'm one of those one another's, eh? 
know what yeah, I'm and saying? I, mean, I think what, it's so deep because I think, you know, to give, you know, our kind of tribe of origin the benefit of the doubt, a lot of the skepticism on self-love is rooted in an awareness of our fallenness. Yeah. But but we, we don't like I always tell people that reactionary theology is always bad theology. Yeah. But biblical yeah. theology is always right theology. Yeah. And so yeah. when we react to our own understanding of our sinfulness and we let it cut the knees out from the scriptures and the gospel, then our theology is still wrong. You know, and so but when you start looking at it, when Jesus says, like, love your neighbor as yourself, like he assumes that we love ourselves. The problem for all of us is that we love ourselves wrong. But when we let the upward drive the inward, it transforms the way we see. We don't, we, don't, we don't come off as arrogant because the cross tells us Jesus had to die for us. And we don't come off as self-hating because Jesus loved us. That's why he died for us. That's right. You know, and, right. so, and then that drives our ability to live in the world in such a way that not only do we give glory to God, but we bless not only uh, the people of God, but also uh, a broken world that God is desiring to redeem. Yeah, and I think people have always heard, um, you know, <laughs> you're. I don't think you're quite as old as me, right? I'm 44. You're not quite there, right? I'm almost there. Okay. So in the 80s, like every junior high graduation for like 10 years um, since that Whitney Houston song came out, marched to their graduation, the greatest love of all. And she makes a statement in there, learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. And I think that's where people get confused because Whitney was so wrong, you know, like what you're starting out with is you're saying loving God is the greatest love of all and everything else flows from that, right? I mean, that's that's kind of where you're coming from. Well, the upward drives, and I, and I always tell people, it's not like a guilt trip that we need to figure out how to love God more because, you know, God is love proactively, preemptively at the essence of who he is. So our job is just to respond to God's love. Like we receive love and then we respond to it by returning it. So it's like, I was saying, like, I'm not trying to get people to drum up upward living. Upward living happens when we have a heart posture that's going to receive God's love for us. And so we just return it. You know, a psychologist called the law of reciprocal affection. I'll love you if you first love me. Now, in a fallen world, it's like, I love you, I love you. And you're like, well, I don't love you anymore. I never liked you. We, I always thought you were <laughs> awesome. But no, it's like, but God's love is, is always on display for us. And our job is just to avail ourselves to it and respond to it. Like I call it the knobs on our side of the wall. Like God's got knobs on his side of the wall. And then God entrusts knobs on my side of the wall. And my only knob really is to respond to God's love and let that mm. revolutionize the way I see myself and let God's love as it revolutionizes the way I see myself will revolutionize the way I treat other people. That's good. That's really good. Well, guys, um, the book is Upward, Outward, Inward. And uh, oh, sorry, I said it wrong. I knew I was going to do that at least once during the podcast. I knew I was going to get the order wrong. Upward, inward, outward, and love God, love yourself, and love others. And uh, it's Daniel Fusco, and uh, he has another book called Honestly. Um, you should check that one out, too. I, I read that book. That's that's the one that's got jazz all through it, right? It's kind of like yeah. got a jazz motif. I, I really dug that one. Um, Daniel's a crazy jazz musician, so it, it was very cool when that book came out to, to see that kind of um, come out. But um, Daniel... Uh, 
we we do this every podcast and you know this right i mean we're we're always doing it and i'm kind of in two minds because you're a nav press author and so as a nav press author you know my good friend don pape and uh the papester and also yep. you uh but you also know a guy who's been on my podcast more than anyone else, and that is Alan Briggs. Ah, so, nice. Yes. So, but but being a NavPress author, I, I I'm almost tempted to put you up against Eugene Peterson, but I don't think anyone would ever fight him in a million years. So I got to pit you against Alan Briggs, one of your uh, fellow. If you and Alan were to get in a physical fist fight, who would win? You know this Alan question's always coming, right? Alan would definitely win. Oh, you have made his day. And I'll tell <laughs> you why. If you ask him, if you ask next time Alan's on, you ask him, he'll say, I'll definitely win. So you know what the thing is, so Alan is like nine feet tall. He's like <laughs> a descendant of Anakim. And I'm like I'm like a descendant of Danny DeVito. So I'm like super short. And so he's got the it's height. Italian. He's got the reach. You know, and he's got he's got I mean, he's Alan Bray. He's got the whole swagger, the whole thing. Yeah. So the thing i might be able to get over on alan is if i whip my dreads at him yeah and, and i'd be able to wound him a little bit but i think when it's all said and done i mean because you know he, him and his brother and his dad they take those those biking trips everywhere yeah. so he's like in super good shape he kind you know of is yeah and so i'm just waiting for my resurrected body so like uh, you know so so he's got all the intangibles so I, I i'll give it to alan i don't want to I don't want to scrap with him. I think I'll get beat I'll, up. I'll tell you this. Alan today made the made the comment because he was an earlier inter- interview for me. And he said, uh, you know, I've been on this podcast a few times. And he goes, and I always lose. I don't ever win on this. This, this is a bad question for me because I keep putting him against people that he he's just convinced he can't take them. So this, if well, if you reach out to him and tell him, hey, I, kick, I, I, I let you kick my butt on the podcast today, he'll be so happy. I'll do that. Well, listen, if, if, if he's really, you know, doubting himself, then maybe I got myself a shot. Maybe I need to you revise might. my ideas here. You might. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I think you got the dirty. I think you got the, the dreadlock. You got, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna fight him. You know, you're gonna I'll get fight it going. Him Jersey style. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, if you want to connect with Daniel, um, where else can they go? Do you got a website like danielfusco.com? DanielFusco.com is the best place to connect with me. Also, I do a, I do a ton of um, intentional uh, ministry in the digital space. So, you know, my Facebook page with my name, you know, it's uh, the two minute messages I do there and on YouTube and I'm all over the place. Just if I was going to give you a shout out for those Daniel does. Whenever I see those, I watch him. They're two minutes long. It's Daniel just doing like a devotional for you. They get crazy amounts of viewership. Daniel's fun to watch. He's filled with joy. You know, the dude walks in the spirit. So definitely check those out. And, uh, Daniel, it's been, uh, rad having you on again. Thanks for coming on the show and blessing our planners. Oh, man. I'm blessed to be here. I really appreciate you, Peyton. Hey, this has been the Church Planter Podcast, or excuse me, wrong podcast, Hardcore Church Planting. And our guest today has been Daniel Fusco and Arnold Sinus out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planting has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.